Before we get into today's story, you're about to hear from a couple of our sponsors. Sponsors play a big role in my being able to bring you these amazing stories, but I completely understand that some listeners will prefer to not hear sponsor messages, and that's fine. If that's you, I invite you to consider signing up for What Was That Like Plus to get ad-free episodes, bonus episodes, and a lot more. You can do this by going to whatwasthatlike.com plus, and when you're there, use the promo code plus to get one free month. If you're an Apple listener, it's super easy. All you need to do is click Try Free right there at the top of your feed. So now, a quick word from our sponsors, followed by today's What Was That Like story. As a podcaster, there's nothing more gratifying than being able to make a difference in the lives of real people. If you like seeing that happen and you enjoy true crime podcasts, I have a show you're going to love. It's called Proof. If you heard the first season of Proof, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This show is co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed, she's also an attorney, and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here. They created season one by investigating the story of two young men in Georgia who were serving life sentences for supposedly murdering their friend. These men had spent 25 years in prison, and on December 8, 2022, Based on evidence that was unearthed by Susan and Jacinda for the podcast, they were released. Can you imagine being in prison for 25 years and then getting released because of a podcast? And now the second season of Proof, called Murder at the Warehouse, is being released. Susan and Jacinda are digging into this new case about Renee Ramos in Manteca, California. Her body was found under a pile of debris and her boyfriend and another man were arrested and convicted. But things don't seem to add up. Did investigators actually ignore tips that pointed to other suspects? Could this be another case where an innocent person has spent years locked up in prison? It's all going to come out on this new season. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. What Was That Like? contains adult language and content and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to What Was That Like? I'm your host, Scott Johnson. This is the show where we talk to regular people, people just like you or just like me, who have found themselves in an extremely unusual situation. We'll hear their stories and get inside their head because we all want to know, what was that like? More information about each episode at whatwasthatlike.com. Here we go. When you hear the word lost, what comes to your mind? Honestly, it seems like these days I don't really worry too much about getting lost. Most of that's because of the amazing technology called GPS. I mean, I'm right here in my office in Safety Harbor, Florida, in the Tampa Bay area. I could get in my car, look at my phone, and enter some random house address in Los Angeles, California, 2,500 miles away. And within seconds, 
Google will have that whole trip mapped out and ready to direct me turn by turn to get to that address, even though it would take me 37 hours to make that drive. But that's only because I have a phone that can stay fully charged for the whole trip. And I have a car that keeps the air a cool temperature, and I'll have places to stop and get food along the way, not to mention snacks while I'm driving. And I'll have my bottle of water right there in the console for whenever I get thirsty. And when I get tired of driving all day, I'll have a hotel to spend the night and get the sleep I need to keep going the next day. Well, today we're talking to John. And John had none of those things. He was on foot. His phone was dead. He had no water. And he had no food. And even though the weather included rain and snow, he was only wearing a sweatshirt and shorts. He was alone. And the only place he could sleep at night was on the ground. John was in a remote area of southern Utah in a place called Bryce Canyon National Park. This is a huge place, mainly full of rocks and trees and thorny bushes. It's 56 square miles or 145 square kilometers. And that's where John was lost. His plan was to spend a few hours there. He was still there after a few days, exhausted, dehydrated, dejected, and hallucinating, and he still had no idea how to get out. How did he get in this situation? What did he do each day? What did he end up drinking out of desperation? And how did he finally get rescued? Well, you're about to find out. And partway through John's story, we'll hear from Cody Sheriffs, one of the Garfield County search and rescue workers who ended up finding John and getting him to safety. On this podcast, you hear stories from people firsthand, true stories you just can't get on other podcasts. So if you like this show and you'd like to support it, you can do that by going to whatwasthatlike.com forward slash support and signing up to be a patron. This show takes a lot of time to put together, and it's all done just by me, so your support really means a lot, and I thank you. Now, here's my conversation with John. How would you describe your experience as far as hiking? It's been something I've always enjoyed and I've always loved, but it's not something I'm able to get out or I wasn't able to get out and do much um, a few times a year. But it's kind of been something I've been increasingly in, interested in and wanting to do more of. And have you hiked in this park before? I've never been to this park before. And honestly, I didn't even hear about it until two days before I went there. Oh, wow. Okay. How far do you live from the, the park is Bryce Canyon National Park in Utah. How far do you live from that? So I live in the, the Magic Valley in Idaho. So I'm over 350 miles away. Okay. So how did you, on a Monday afternoon, how'd you end up at Bryce Canyon in Utah? Well, so I guess to get a little backstory on how I ended up there, I'm, I'm kind of on a, as cheesy as it may sound, a spiritual journey of sorts. So uh, I quit my job that I had been at for off and on for over seven years, and I've just been traveling. And I met up with a friend in Utah. She told me about Bryce Canyon, and I was thinking about heading down towards the Grand Canyon. So she said, on your way, you might as well hit Bryce Canyon. And so that was pretty much what happened. I decided to head on down there and see what it was like. 
So kind of a, a spur of the moment, but sort of planned as well on your way to a, a larger destination. Yeah, I'm just kind of wandering aimlessly, well, sort of. <laughs> I had a, a kind of a broad goal, nothing specific in mind, but I knew eventually I wanted to, to hit as uh, many interesting places as possible. Yeah, sounds like a good good plan up until a certain point, yeah. I guess. <laughs> All right, so this was on a Monday that you got you got to the park uh this is a national park bryce canyon national park and so and as as we record this this only happened like a month ago it's been uh just at a month yeah so you had planned you got to the park at about three o'clock in the afternoon and the plan was to do what how long were you planning to be out so it's funny when i got there i almost turned around um i got there and i saw that there was a an entrance fee and I didn't really know what this place was like. So I got up to the gate, I turned around and I had a second thought. I was like, okay, well, let's just do this. I made it all, all the way here. I should just go. And so the hesitation is kind of, you know, it was a weird thing. But once I got there, I'd only intended on being there for maybe a few hours, maybe go hiking for about four hours total, uh, two on the way down, two on the way back. And where you went in was, this isn't just like a big, huge wilderness. There was actually a path, right? A hiking path? So where I started uh, hiking, yes, there is an actual path. There's a clear trail, uh, but that trail kind of gets covered up after so far. Um, they apparently are not able to maintain all of the deeper trails because it just is so big and they don't have the manpower to do it. All right. It's a huge area. Do you know how big this park is? I think I read it's around 50 miles uh, radius. That's a lot of space to get lost in. Yeah. And so when you started out, what were you wearing? Um, All I had on me uh, was a sweatshirt and shorts. And so I wasn't really prepared to be out there for too long. Right. But, But you weren't planning to be out for too long either. Definitely was not. Did you bring anything with you, like supplies or water or anything? In my car, I had uh, a camelback. I had uh, snacks. I had blankets, a tent, sleeping bag, um, everything. Everything in my trunk, in my car. I was very prepared, you know, uh, up until I actually left the car. That's that's pretty ironic. Now, of course, you had all that stuff because you were already sort of on a trip anyway. So you were camping out at other places along the way. I was planning on it. Yeah, definitely. How about, did you have a phone? Yeah, I had my phone. Uh, and I actually, once I started down the trail the, the first time, uh, I got about 10 minutes in. And then I realized that um, there was uh, kind of a, uh, how do you put it? So there was a challenge that they they had. So there's a sign that said there's these monuments to look for on the trail. Uh so with your map, and the, again, we'll come to the map in a moment, uh, on the map that you're supposed to take a picture and then kind of mark off the monuments that you were able to find. So I actually went back to the car for about a half hour to charge my phone. So it was at least about 70% when I charged it. And you could you get a phone signal while you were out there? To a certain point, maybe uh, let's say about an hour down, uh, if that, and then nothing. Once you get down there a little ways, you have no service at all. 
Right. Because they don't put phone towers out in the middle of nowhere. That's right. So you started out at three o'clock and what time was it? Or just take us through that day. Like when, when did you know you were lost and, and what did you do after that? I saw when I got there that they, were, they had um, an approximate time for sundown. And so I kept in my mind that uh, if I kind of break it in half, I'm going to start walking about, I think by the time my phone got charged enough, let's say it was about four. So I was like, okay, well, I have like about three hours, two or three hours to, to start walking down, then maybe two hours, three hours to start walking back. And um, once I got going, I, I just kind of lost track of time because I was really feeling great. I was enjoying the walk. It was beautiful down there. And next thing I know, honestly, it was starting to get dark. And then I'm like, it's about time to t- turn back. And I had a flashlight on my phone. So I figured it'll last long enough if I lose my way to at least get my way back in the dark. It shouldn't be a big deal. I'll just follow the trail. Once it got dark is when I kind of realized that maybe I wasn't where I remember. <laughs> so I, yeah, um, I ended up using my flashlight and realized that I had no idea where I was. I couldn't find my original trail and uh, I ended up in, I uh, ended up stepping in some water. It was so dark that I was, I was kind of just walking around trying to figure out at least by the time it got so dark that just try to find a place where I can just hang out for the night. And I figured that it'll be fine in the morning. It's not my first time just hanging out somewhere without a tent, no big deal. And uh, I kind of got annoyed when I stepped into some streaming water, you can hear it moving. And uh, I didn't really have a choice, but to sleep in wet socks and shoes that night. That's got to be, it's, it's, you know, it's hard enough when you're lost and it's full daylight, but now with it being dark, the, so did you just, when it got dark and you realized you're not going to know where you're going, you kind of resigned yourself. Okay. I'm going to have an overnight here. Yeah. And at that point I wasn't really too worried about it. I figured I'll just make the best of it and it'll be kind of a fun little story. I got lost overnight and I made my way back. No big deal. How cold was it? At first, it really uh, it wasn't too bad uh, that first night. It, I don't really know exactly, but I would say it probably got down to maybe 40, 45, somewhere around there. So it was a little chilly, but I live in Idaho, so we're used to the cold. So it wasn't too bad. But I was able to find, uh, just on the other side of that water, a small alcove that I was able to kind of crawl in and block myself and, and try to help keep myself warm. So you had a little bit of shelter anyway. A little bit, yeah. Were you concerned about wild animals? Um, a little bit at first, just because I saw a sign about bears. And uh, they said said something about just leave the bears alone, <laughs> which is good advice, of course. And uh, But I, since I didn't really hear anything the first night, um, it really wasn't on my mind too much. So when so you kind of like, you got bedded in and 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 in for the night there. Did you actually sleep that night? Uh, eventually, I got a little bit of sleep. Um, the wind kind of picked up in the middle of the night, uh, very early morning, and that didn't really help. Uh, so I kind of ended up getting a little chillier, and I don't know because I'm in an unfamiliar place. Um, definitely, I was a little worried, so I didn't sleep great. But eventually, I got a few hours. 
Okay, so Tuesday, day two. I decided that <laughs> this is it. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and check out my map. So I had so when you when you get in there, they actually give you a map. So uh, I'm looking at my map and I'm thinking, okay, well, this is where I started, and this has to be since the water's over here. Uh, this has to be generally where I'm at. So I start to follow uh, what I think is the the correct direction, and uh, eventually I make my way through these bushes that have thorns, and it's very annoying to keep. You know, bush. I get bushwhacked quite a bit, but I eventually get to what looks like it should be the trail, and there's a tree that fell over, uh, blocking the trail. And so I try to go over or around, uh, and that just keeps happening over and over again. So eventually, at some point during the day, I decide to climb and see if I can see anything, see my car, see the street, see anything. So I climb up to uh, as high as I can, and I everything looks the same. It's all, I mean, there's a slightly colored, different colored rocks, but I just, I couldn't see anything different at all. So when I climb down, I'm pretty sure that I just climbed down on the other side. And so that kind of started me getting more lost than I already was, if that makes sense. That's one of the things I was going to ask you. What what was the terrain like? Is it all rocky or is it like forest or a mix or what's that like? It is definitely a mixture. So there's um, down where I was at, it's mostly forest. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of bushes mostly and um, tall grass and trees, but there are definitely parts of it where it's just rock. But yeah, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's a lot of, a lot of weeds mostly, to be honest. So once I climbed down, uh, the other side, uh, I kind of, I didn't realize that once I got to the top, I was looking around and I must've got turned around. And, uh, so when I got down to the other side again, uh, it looks, even though it all kind of looks the same, there are certain landmarks and certain trees and things like that, that you can pick out. And it still, it looked a little bit different from where I was just at. And at that point, I was starting to get a little frustrated. But all I could do is just keep walking and and try to keep finding my path. So again, I look at the map and what I think is the correct direction ends up nowhere. And by nowhere, you just... You just didn't see anything familiar at all? You just just kept walking? I just kept walking. Uh, All day, I kept walking... By the second day, I uh, was starting to get pretty thirsty. Uh, I didn't have any uh, water at that point. Uh, I didn't think to drink from the stream yet because that stream I stepped in uh, that first night, I didn't see it. I didn't. I couldn't tell what the water was like. When I woke up the next day, I should have thought about it, but I just didn't. I was thinking, well, it's only going to take me a couple of hours to get to my car. I wasn't really thinking about much else. So by the end of the second day, I was starting to get real thirsty. So uh, by the end of the day, uh, actually, you know, I think I didn't even make my way back to that stream until the third day. So all day uh, Tuesday, I just walked and walked and walked. And that was- so you hadn't actually had anything to drink from Monday at around three or maybe when you went back to your car to charge it, you yeah. got something to drink then. Okay. About so Monday, late afternoon or evening, 
nothing to drink all day Tuesday, nothing to eat or drink. Nothing to eat or drink. And um, by the time, I think uh, it was probably about Wednesday afternoon by the time I finally made my way back to the stream and uh, started drinking from it. So um, the sun was definitely warm and kept beating down on me. And I did some more climbing to try to figure out where the hell I was. The climbing again was unsuccessful because everything looks the same pretty much. And so I would get down and I would just keep walking some more. Uh, That night was freezing. The wind was blowing very hard and I ended up waking up somewhere very early in the morning, Wednesday morning in the rain. What were your, how did you sleep on Tuesday night? Where did you find to sleep? I tried to find kind of a a tree. There's, there's trees, but they're not very good shelter. So I, I tried to lay under the, under the branches the best I could, uh, tried to find it where it was thickest and it still wasn't enough. I was drenched. So it started raining sometime early Wednesday morning. Yeah. And you, you woke up lost, cold, outdoors, and soaking wet. Yep. And that wind, um, Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday, that, that wind at night is so unbelievably cold. And uh, it was the coldest I've ever experienced. I mean, I've, I've been camping and hiking, and I've, I've been out in, in terrain like most of us have. Uh, but that was hands down just the coldest. Uh, you can hear the wind coming from miles away. It's almost like a like a train, you know. You kind of hear it coming, and then once it hits you, it just chills you to the bone. So what what happened on Wednesday? Uh, so Wednesday is when I started to get really frustrated. I woke up and and I just I couldn't believe it. I'm thinking to myself, what? How did I let this happen? You know. I'm I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm thinking this might not end well, uh, but I'm still keeping hope. And so I just keep walking. And at some point uh, when I did find that stream again, it was the most uh, satisfying thing, you know, even though it wasn't much. Uh, I tried using my hands as a cup uh, to try to drink from that stream. And that was unsuccessful. So basically I got down like a deer and just started lapping it up and I drank for as much as I could, but then I kind of got a second wind and I realized, okay, I'm, I'm going to try this again. So again, look at the map, do my best. And then I get to a certain point where I'm feeling like this is it. I, I think I found my way. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Here's a what would you do question. From now on, every day at 5 p.m., an hour goes by, and it's still 5 p.m., so you get an extra full hour in your day. What would you do with that hour of free time? For me, do I start writing that book I've been thinking about? Start learning a new language? Check in with some people I haven't talked to in a while? Seems like everyone wishes there was more time. The question is, time for what? How do you prioritize? Well, guess what? Therapy can help you figure out what really matters to you so you can do more of those things. Talking with a professional therapist can help you answer some of those internal questions, and that can empower you to actually be the best version of yourself. You've heard me and a lot of my guests talking about the benefits of therapy here on the podcast, and maybe you've been thinking about checking it out. If that's you, 
then give BetterHelp a try. You can do it from home in your pajamas if you want, because it's all online, and you can fit it to your specific schedule. You just answer a few questions, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you're on your way. And you can even get started right now with a discount. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash WhatWas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash WhatWas. When's the last time you took a $10 bill, walked into your bathroom, and flushed it down the toilet? Well, for me, it was about three weeks ago. Okay, I didn't literally send cash into the local sewer system, but I might as well have because I was paying for a subscription that I forgot about and wasn't even using. And the only way I knew about it was because I signed up for Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending and it helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. So you can immediately see all of your subscriptions listed right there in one place. When I saw that list, there were things listed that I didn't even know what they were. You know how it is. You sign up for a free trial, and then you end up not using the thing, and you forget about it. But you still keep paying for it. With Rocket Money, I just make a few clicks, and they cancel it for me. I don't even have to make a phone call. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash what was. That's rocketmoney.com slash what was. Rocketmoney.com slash what was. Hey, do you have trouble sleeping? Then maybe you should check out the Sleepy Podcast. It's a show where I read old books in the public domain to help you get to sleep. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of classic stories like A Tale of Two Cities, Pride and Prejudice, Winnie the Pooh, stories that are great for adults and kids alike. For years now, Sleepy has helped millions of people catch some much needed Z's, start their next day off fresh, and discover old books that they didn't know they loved. So, whether you have a tough time snoozing or you just like a good bedtime story, fluff up the cool side of your pillow and tune into Sleepy. Unless you're driving, then please don't listen to Sleepy. Find Sleepy on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes each week. Sweet dreams. There's like, there's a fence over here that's on the map. There's uh, other land formations. And again, what is supposed to be my trail that leads directly to my car ends up leading to just more trees and there's no trail. So you built up that hope that you are almost back where you're supposed to be. And then you realize you're still just as lost as you were. By the end of Wednesday. Yeah. I, it had, it had peaked both ways. I guess you could say I, I was uh, feeling very hopeful at one point. And then by the end of the day, it was just once I realized that I'm going to be sleeping here one more night, it was, I was, I guess, downtrodden. I was not only annoyed, but I was just very disappointed in myself that I had let myself get to this point. And without anything to eat, you got to be just exhausted and starving. At one point, and I was, I, I, I was just thinking that if, if I can just live off of the water somehow, 
but I, I had to keep moving. So I couldn't just stay with the water uh, because according to the map, I needed to go in a different direction to get back to my car. And so at one point I found pine trees and I tried kind of munching on some, some pine needles just for anything, hoping that maybe some kind of nutrients or moisture or something. I did that for just a few minutes, but that, I, I just couldn't take it anymore. It's not very pleasant. Not, and not, probably not all that nutritious. I wouldn't think. Probably not. So Wednesday night, how did you sleep Wednesday night? Did you go back to the stream? I made my way back to the stream during the day. And then I, uh, just, I moved on again, uh, because I just, I had this determination that I'm going to find my car. I, they say, uh, it sounds again, kind of a cliche, but even a blind man finds his way eventually, I guess. So I'm thinking, uh, no matter what, I just have to keep moving and this is going to work out eventually. And by that night, uh, I ended up not sleeping so well. Uh, again, I moved so far away from that stream where I didn't actually have anything to drink that night. And again, the next morning, but Thursday morning, I actually woke up in snow. I woke up the few hours of sleep I did get, I, I woke up and there was probably at least a few inches of snow all over me. And, uh, so basically that the rest of that morning, I tried to live off of the snow, I guess. So I ate as much snow as I could handle before my mouth went numb. My hands were numb. Uh, I was taking it off. It went, I had to start climbing in a certain direction to try to, you know, thinking that this is where I needed to go. There wasn't snow on the ground at, at one point. A lot of it had melted off by the afternoon, but there were certain shaded areas that I was able to get some snow off of some branches. What about if you, I'm, I would be thinking if you know what direction you were walking when you went in, like if you were walking east or west or whatever, couldn't, could you tell which way was east and west or north or south by the position of the sun and just walk the opposite direction? Yeah. And I thought about that too. And I started, uh, I started walking that way, you know, would think, well, I wasn't really paying attention. Unfortunately, that was definitely one of my faults, one of the many problems and the, and the things that I did wrong is not really thinking about where I'd started, but I knew that there's an, there's actually an airport out there. And I was thinking that like in direction of where the planes are coming to and from, I was thinking maybe I could uh, look on the map and compare that airport to where my car was. Cause I know, you know, on the map where I parked. And so I tried that as well. And, it just kept leading me to walls and ditches or not ditches, but like huge ruts in the ground um, where it had, you know, the weather had taken it and uh, trees that had been falling over. And there's all these things that kept blocking me. And so I'd go around and again, I would just climb and it never ended up really leading me to where I was looking to go. S sounds like uh, an escape room on steroids. Yeah. It's a good way of looking at it. So at this point, you've had nothing to eat, and you've been getting by with insufficient sleep. Were you hallucinating at all? Yeah, absolutely. So by the end of Thursday, especially, I started seeing, I don't know, just things moving, and I was hearing things. I don't know if I was hearing, if, if I thought it was voices, but I just 
I started kind of making up scenarios in my head and just thinking about, or just like hearing, I don't know, just, it's hard to explain, just hearing things that I hadn't heard the last couple of days. Um, and then I, I saw a helicopter fly by Thursday thinking that this is going to be hopefully it, you know, I'm going to try to get their attention. I kept yelling actually the last Tuesday and Wednesday, both especially or Wednesday and Thursday, both, I should say, I started yelling at the top of my lungs, trying to get anybody's attention. If there's any way anyone could hear me when the helicopters were flying by, I'd, you know, wave my arms up in the air and they, I don't know if they were looking at for me at that point, uh, but they, I saw them fly by a couple of times and, and of course, no success. Do you know at what point you were reported as missing? I found out later on that, so I was actually, Tuesday, I was going to be meeting up with some friends in Nevada. And that apparently is what, is kind of how the missing persons report got out, is my friends, uh, Zeb and Kirsten, uh, were looking to, to have me over uh, Tuesday. And they, at some point, either Tuesday or Wednesday, they didn't hear from me. And that's very unusual because usually I, I make it a point to either keep in touch or, if, or I show up. So the, apparently they contacted some people, contacted my friends and other friends and family, and uh, nobody had heard from me for a couple of days. And so apparently they kind of uh, looked over Facebook and realized that eventually found out that I was heading towards Bryce Canyon. But until then, apparently they had no idea where I was heading. So they were able to figure out from social media that you were planning to go to Bryce Canyon. Yeah, I just happened to make a comment uh, that I was heading there. Some of the posts I had made, I was kind of updating along the way, but I didn't actually mention that I was heading to Bryce Canyon directly until somebody just happened to invite me over somewhere else in Utah. And I wasn't, I told them I wasn't able to make it because I'm heading to Bryce Canyon. And so mm-hmm. just happened to see that comment. Thursday, what was your mindset like, like midday to late day Thursday, knowing that here we go, another night out in the wilderness? By Thursday, um, it was pretty ex- extreme, again, both ways. I had very, I was trying to keep hope alive, but at many, many times I would just, uh, so I was, while I was walking, uh, I got so exhausted since I had no water and no food that I could only make it so far without having long periods of rest. So I actually, many times I just passed out. I would be walking for maybe 20 minutes or 45 minutes. And again, I just kept climbing. I was trying to get maybe back to where I was previously. So I would have these goals set in mind. I would see this rock or this tree or a landmark. And I tell myself, okay, you're going to do this. If there's any chance you're getting out of here alive, you have to at least make it that far. And then, so I'd make it that far. And then I would just, I would find a place where I could just pass out. So I ended up taking many naps, I guess, throughout the day. I, it was more like I was just so exhausted that I couldn't stay awake. Each time that I felt myself drifting off, I actually thought this was it. I, I thought, well, 
you know, this, this is, I'm going to go out like this. This is really disappointing because <laughs> I've done some dumb shit over my life and I did not expect to go out just lost in the, in the forest. So my mindset was not great for the most part, but I couldn't lose hope though. I had to try. So every, every couple of hours I just, I woke up and I just kept at it. So you, you never actually got to the point of saying, all right, that's it. I'm just going to die here. I just couldn't allow myself to do that. So luckily by the end of Thursday after, I mean, so much, I kept falling down, especially Thursday. I was so exhausted that even when I was on flat ground, my legs were very shaky and very tired. I'd been walking almost nonstop for three days. So my mm-hmm. legs were just so tired and and shaky. I was having a hard time, diff- very difficult time, even just moving at all. Uh, but then, so I would take a few steps and sometimes I would just trip over nothing and I'd just get, just fall down. There's bushes uh, that kept bush. I kept getting bushwhacked over and over again. These bushes uh, had these thorns on them and kept cutting me over and over again. And I would fall into the bushes. So even though I was going through all that, I was still trying very hard to be as optimistic as possible. And um, it was very difficult, though. (laughs) That would be quite a mental challenge after several days you know, I mean, the, the physical exertion that you were going through is a lot, even for someone that's staying fueled and hydrated and everything. And you had, didn't have the benefit of that. At one point Thursday, I actually got so desperate during the heat that what little urine I had in me, I, for the first time in my life, I was so desperate that I actually tried to drink my own piss. And uh, it didn't go over so well, <laughs> but I mean, all I had in me was just water over the lot, water and snow over the last couple of days. You know, in desperate times call for desperate measures, they say, right? So uh, I was thinking, you know, I'm so far away from that water. This is all I have, man. And uh, yeah, it didn't taste great, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? That's what Bear Grylls does, right? I mean, <laughs> so Thursday night. You bedded down. How, what was that like on Thursday night going uh, sleeping through the night? Late Thursday, I ended up finding kind of like a, a mud river. So I, I was able to find my way back to clear water at some point Thursday for just a few, uh, you know, just long enough to kind of keep going. Because I was looking at the map of where I was at and I'm thinking, okay, well, here's this river. If I just go in, you know, in this direction, I'm just going to be able to run into a, tra- a trailhead. Maybe I'll run into somebody. So I kept following the water and it eventually led to kind of a mud river. And eventually, eventually that mud river led me to another kind of an alcove. So I was able to actually find some shelter Thursday night. I don't think it rained or snowed Thursday, but it was very cold and windy. Uh, so I was pretty grateful that I was able to find some shelter. Did you even know what day it was then? I wasn't really thinking about that. So kind of they were drifting in and out. So I was trying to, by, by that point, like I said, I was hallucinating and, and I was hearing things. So I wasn't clear minded. Uh, there were days weren't really important to me, like what day it was, I had not even thought of it. 
Friday you woke up and so Friday, Friday was really weird. Um, so that night I actually have a memory of dreaming and, or, or maybe it was a hallucination. I, I really don't know, but, um, in my mind, <laughs> this sounds so weird. I somehow had a memory or something of me being able to charge my phone somehow just long enough to call search and rescue and schedule a pickup time. And that was what was going on in my mind that somehow I had charged my phone just long enough to contact these guys and schedule a helicopter over here by the mud river at 9 AM. And so I woke up and my head was such a mess uh, that that was all I could think about though, is that I had scheduled a helicopter somehow and they need to, I need to meet them over here by the mud river by nine o'clock AM. And I kept like waking up every so often and I'd look at the sun and be like, okay, well, it's not quite nine o'clock yet, but I think I have enough time to get over there. And probably like an hour or two into walking, I realized that I just made up this whole scenario. It finally kind of had, I guess, a moment of clarity to where they're not coming to get me and I'm doomed. I'm going to die out here. And Friday is when it really hit. I'll confess, sometimes I let my podcast playlist get out of hand and I get way behind. But there's one show that I subscribe to and any new episode goes right to the top of the queue. That's the Jordan Harbinger Show. That's because I never have to figure out, okay, is this one going to be interesting or do I wait for the next one like I do for some shows? Because Jordan's conversations are always a must-listen for me. He talks to fascinating people from any category you can think of. Authors, scientists, athletes, you name it. He's talked to undercover cops who posed as mafia and the actual career mafia hitmen. And the stories he gets out of these people, just incredible. In one episode, he talked to Paul Holes. You might know that name if you're into true crime. He's the former investigator who uses really advanced methods to solve cold cases, including the Golden State Killer. And another one I really enjoyed was with Sam Harris, an author and neuroscientist who promotes skepticism, and he doesn't mind taking on some seriously controversial topics like politics or religion. That one's going to make you think. Whenever a new episode of The Jordan Harbinger Show pops up, I already know it's going to be an episode that I'll enjoy listening to, and I'll bet you will too. For some episode recommendations, check out jordanharbinger.com start. Or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Scott. Did you know we offer a premium feed of this show that is completely ad-free and there are bonus episodes? Go to whatwasthatlike.com slash plus or just click the link in the show notes of any episode to learn more and to sign up. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can sign up right there in the app by clicking Try Free at the top of the episode list. And I hope to see you in the premium feed soon. Because your phone was long dead by then, right? I assume. Yeah. And the funny thing is, it actually died uh, Tuesday morning. And again, I don't know if, uh, if I am just remembering this wrong or or what but it, i had a memory of tuesday actually trying to get a hold of, of my friends that i was supposed to be meeting up with 
and and letting them know that I'm not going to be able to make it because I'm lost. And that I checked my phone after I got it charged, you know, uh, a couple days or the day that I got rescued. Uh, and that message never went through. So I'm thinking that either my phone died uh, as I was texting them or again, I'm just making a whole thing up. I really don't know. But uh, yeah, my phone was definitely long dead by Friday. Take us to the time when you were, when you were actually found, you came into human contact. I kept following that mud river, probably I'm guessing for a couple of hours after I'd woke up. And um, I, I thought maybe this was another auditory hallucination. I heard voices. I hear somebody yelling and uh, I kind of tried to follow the voices the best I could. And eventually I see uh, some dogs, a couple of dogs, and I see these three men on horses. And um, I wave and I kind of yell at them and I try to get their attention. Uh, first, all I did is just ask them, how the hell do I get out of here? I, I'm like, I've been here since Monday and I can't figure out where the hell I'm at. And uh, so they're just kind of pointed. They say, well, if you just keep following this direction, eventually you're going to hit a trailhead. And uh, I don't remember all of, you know, what was spoken, but I just eventually I kind of let them know that I'm, I feel like I'm dying and anything would be greatly appreciated. And so the, the kid uh, automatically just reaches uh, into a pouch and grabs me a Powerade and uh, the, his father said, Hey, let's go ahead and just get you on this horse. I'll take you to the trailhead. And then, you know, we'll come back to get you when we're done here in a few hours and we'll take you to your car. And, uh, so he, the father jumps off his horse, gets me on, tells his, his father and his son, I'm going to go ahead and, and take him over to the car. Um, and I'll meet up with you guys. And he, uh, on the way he explained that they come there every year. They're hunting. It's a family thing. And they just happen to be over here, but they never go down this far. He said that they've never been down this far before, or they just normally don't go down this far, one of the two. And so it was just, I guess, just pure dumb luck that they happened to be there uh, when I was there. They literally saved your life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If, if they hadn't... Um, where I was at, I don't know if search and rescue would have ended up finding me, at least not for a while. So they get me to the trailhead, and it's a pretty hot day, Friday afternoon. So I was able to find one of those signs that kind of explains the park a little bit and that trailhead and shows you where you're at. So on the pavement, I just kind of laid there. The the man... I, can't remember his name, unfortunately, but uh, he gave me a first name and he was very kind. He gave me a protein shake, a protein bar, and another Powerade uh, and a bottle of water. So they, they actually hooked me up pretty good uh, mm -hmm. and said, you know, there's these other people here. Uh, if they get back before we do, just let them know what's going on and they'll definitely be happy to take you back to your car. I actually waited around. I'm guessing for possibly a couple of hours. And by that point, I was obviously pretty miserable. Um, they actually, they gave me a chocolate bar also, a little Kit Kat bar. 
and I couldn't even taste it. My mouth was just so dry uh, that even with the Powerade and the water, I couldn't taste anything. It was just, it was not pleasant at all. So I consumed the liquids, but, you know, tried to ration it the best I could. But at least the at least the Powerade would have electrolytes in it, so it would be rehydrating you to some degree, right? It was amazing. It was the most uh, the most satisfying thing I could think of at the time. It must have been a pretty. I would imagine just realizing, okay, I'm not going to die here. That had to be a pretty emotional moment. When I first saw those guys, that was the first human contact in almost five days, and I had this overwhelming sense of like. Like I'm, this might actually be okay. Like I might actually survive. <laughs> there's, there's humans. And, uh, yeah, I was very relieved just to even see somebody. So after waiting, they brought you back there. He brought you back there. And who did you see next? So after a couple of hours, of just kind of baking in the sun, uh, cause there really wasn't much shade, but a little, I think it was a dune buggy actually pulled up and I just heard a couple of voices and I was laying down, uh, trying to just, I don't know, just trying to maintain. And, uh, I get up uh, very slowly because again, my legs were really not working at all at this point. So I slowly get up and I, I kind of wave those guys down and I heard one of them say to the other, like, as soon as they saw me, they're like, Oh, wow. I'm glad that they were wrong. And I never asked them exactly what that meant, but it, I was kind of assumed that they didn't expect anybody to be over here or me to be over here uh, so far away from, or at least at this trail headed. turns out they were actually Garfield County search and rescue. And uh, again, I I wish I had their names because they were, uh, they were awesome. Uh, Such nice, very nice people. They're handed me a couple of extra bottles of water and, um, they said, yeah, we're, we're actually out here looking for you. And uh, they immediately took me to an ambulance uh, that was waiting, I don't know, maybe 15 miles away, something like that. And then uh, the ambulance took me to the hospital. So that's, I mean, if they were out looking for you and they knew you'd been gone several days, they weren't really expecting to find somebody still alive, probably. I think a comment was actually made similar to that. Yeah. They're like, well, we, it's not often that somebody's out here for four or five days that, you know, that's still alive. My name is Cody Sheriffs and I'm a local Garfield County search and rescue member, as well as a Garfield County first responder in Bryce Canyon, Utah. So what I want to talk about today is what happened that Thursday, May 3rd, 2019, when our team was called out to an individual that had been missing since April 29th, 2019, for approximately four days after hiking into Bryce Canyon's Swamp Canyon Trail. So around 11.30 a.m., we were dispatched to a male who had hiked down the Swamp Canyon Trail in Bryce Canyon on April 29th and never made it back to his truck. Immediately, our thoughts were that this was going to be a body recovered due to the weather conditions through the four nights, which included heavy rain, snow, along with temperatures that dipped into the mid-20s at night. It's hard to believe that anyone that spends a number of nights in those conditions without the proper gear could survive, but John beat those odds. So knowing this could be a body recovery, it still did not limit the resources that our incident commander put in place from a team that started hiking down the Swamp Canyon Trail to another team member and myself 
driving our search and rescue wildcat side by side from the bottom of the canyon up towards Swamp Canyon Trail, and even having a state helicopter pick up one of our incident commanders to survey from the sky. We do not limit our available resources when it comes to a rescue, no matter the circumstance. So my partner and myself started to search for John from a town called Cannonville, which is 12 miles away from Bryce Canyon. About an hour into our search, my partner and I came up to the Sheep Creek Trailhead, which for some reason, uh, we both had the gut feeling that we needed to stop, make contact with our incident commander just to let them know how far we've made it, what our location was, and that we had made no contact with our lost person, which is normal protocol. When we stopped, our radio service wasn't all that great, uh, just due to the location and the remote location that we were at. Uh, the signal was probably as bad as it can get, real choppy. So about after a minute of trying, we both kind of heard a voice from behind us. Uh, as we turned around, a gentleman that had long, long hair, wearing a light sweater and, and shorts, uh, appeared out of the bushes. Um, at that point, I asked that individual what his name was, and he replied, my name is John. I then asked John, where, where did he come from? And he actually pointed up towards the Swamp Canyon Trail at the top of Bryce Canyon and also said um, he was picked up by some guys on horses and was dropped off at the location he was currently at. At that point, I turned and looked at my partner and he had said, I think we have found our guy, uh, which, you know, kind of blew us away just due to the fact that we didn't expect John to be alive due to the conditions that he was left in for the four days. At this point, we rendered John first aid, providing him with water, um, performing a quick assessment on John's health, which showed extreme exhaustion and dehydration. His legs were also torn up pretty good from the bushes and anything else that he had walked through or fell down or slid off of. Um, we did our best to contact our IC incident command with no luck just due to the location and the bad radio signal that we were getting out. Um, our dispatch center was also able to make out our message stating that we had found our missing guy. Um, at that point, we decided we needed to get John back to the main road for better service to contact our local ambulance service in Tropic, Utah to meet us in Cannonville so they could further help John and transport him to the Garfield Memorial Hospital, which is about 45 minutes to an hour away in Penguin, Utah. So if it was not for that gut feeling that me and my partner had um, or the protocols that we have in place to make contact with our incident command to update them, we would have drove right past John. We would have never have heard him due to the side-by-side -side noise dr levels draining out, everything else, and possibly we would not have located John for another few hours, if at all. So whether it was luck or just the right time, the right place, that John was found alive, the Garfield County Search and Rescue Team and other in involved agencies were able to add another very successful rescue to the books. So you, from there, you went to the hospital. Yep. And, uh, I mean, once I saw those guys, uh, in that dune buggy, I, the reality still hadn't quite set in, you know, like I, I, I had the sense of relief, but once I actually get into the ambulance, the man, um, one of the men that were in there from the search and rescue, uh, hands me uh, a sandwich. He's like, I got, I got my men, uh, sandwiches, and I got an extra one for you. And uh, he dressed it all up for me, broke out the little packets of mayonnaise and mustard. And, uh, oh, man, uh, just the the taste of real food 
was almost enough to just kind of make me want to cry, man. It was just amazing. And he, everybody was being, of course, so kind. And I was able to get maybe like a quarter of that sandwich down, but it was the best quarter of a sandwich I'd ever had. <laughs> what, what stopped you after the quarter? I was having a really hard time eating. Uh, I was very weak. And uh, again, my mouth was so dry that every, you know, every time I take a bite, I'd have to wash it down with like half a bottle of water. But it, it didn't take me too much longer once I got in the hospital for me to regain my, uh, my appetite. <laughs> when you were examined at the hospital, what kind of symptoms or injuries or anything, what, what, what condition were you in? Officially, they just put me down as very dehydrated. They didn't really address the superficial wounds that I had, which was fine because that's, it was just all minor, minor cuts. I had been bushwhacked so many times that, uh, I, my whole left calf was like, it, you can almost see it. Like I took pictures of it, but it looked like it was like just ripped away. The whole left side of my, my left calf was just ripped away and then part of my right leg. But other than that, I was very dehydrated. Of course, the next day, uh, once I was able to get a little bit of rest that night, the next day when I tried to stand up, I would have this excruciating pain in my legs, just standing up. So it would start, uh, let's say kind of with the ankle and work its way up all the way up to like the knee. And it felt like I was just being stabbed uh, by like a thousand little knives in both of my legs. And I, I think it was just from the muscles being overused so much over the last five days. Yeah, they were just, everything was depleted. Yeah, yeah, I had nothing left in me. How long were you in the hospital? From Friday afternoon to kind of late afternoon Saturday. So just about 30 hours roughly. From there, were, did they take you back to your car and you were able to drive home or drive away somewhere? Or what would you do after that? So luckily I had, uh, my sister actually came from uh, Idaho, her and her friend, were heading down. I think they're heading down to Salt Lake anyway, or they're deciding to either go to Salt Lake or somewhere else. When they heard that I was in the hospital, they actually came down Friday and visited me in the hospital. And uh, they took my keys and I uh, went and picked up my car for me and drove it to the hospital. So that, that was uh, very nice. <laughs> very appreciated. That's a good sister. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Well, that's good. Boy, what a crazy adventure. And yeah, I mean, I'm sure you realize how close you came to not making it. Yeah. And once I, they, my, my sister and, um, and I also, my friend, uh, came from Salt Lake. Uh, she came to visit me and they, they were kind of like, when you turn your phone on, be prepared because, <laughs> uh, they, once my friends kind of started getting the word out that I was missing, apparently it just escalated from there. It hit social media, um, our local radio aired it, and I got bombarded with messages. And it's it's really it was just nuts. And yeah, it was it was overwhelming and and definitely life changing. It's kind of reassuring to know that there's that many people that care about you. I'd questioned that for a little while and, and for not really any good reason, but other than 
I guess, insecurities and, um, and self-loathing and depression. And so I definitely have no reason to really uh, doubt that people care about me any longer. Have you been in touch with your rescuers at all since then? Unfortunately, no. Um, I had no idea how to contact those guys, but I really would love to at least personally thank the, the, the hunters and the search and rescue. Yeah, they all played an important part. Very much. I know it's only been like a month since this happened, but have you gone hiking again since then? Or would you want to go hiking again? I have, actually. And in fact, uh, the first uh, real hike, uh, good hike, was uh, yesterday. As a matter of fact, I went to, so I live in, in the Magic Valley in Idaho. Uh, I went up to Boise and there's a kind of a popular hiking place called Table Rock. And it's a good four mile hike. And that was a, it was very good for me to get out and, and stretch and, and just kind of get back to what I wanted to do. So it was a little bump in the road, but it's not going to stop me from following what I want to do. That's good. And I assume when you went out on that one, you had a fully charged phone and at least a bottle of water. Uh, yeah, actually since then, uh, good friends have given me like a survival pack and a personal locator beacon and they don't want me to get lost again. So I'm fully prepared. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. What do you think's the biggest lesson you've learned from this experience? Really just two things uh, tell people that where you're going is definitely a very important part. Uh, And another thing that I've been hearing over and over again that I definitely agree with is no matter what, if you're just going to go out on a hike somewhere, at the very least, bring some of the, the basics a bottle of water, a little snack, something, and maybe a compass at the very least. Yeah, a compass would have been pretty handy at this uh, for this one, right? Yeah, it really would have. John, it's quite a story, quite an experience. I'm sure not one that you'd want to go through again. No, man, uh, I'm good. I've, I've uh, led a pretty interesting life, and I think that if this is going to be the most interesting interesting thing that happens to me, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, it was definitely a lesson learned and maybe it was good for me in a way, kind of an expensive lesson to learn, but it's, it's overall, it's been positive since I've been gone or since I've been back. All part of life experience. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode. Every time I release a new show, I want to introduce you to people and stories that you just won't find on other podcasts. If you really like this podcast and want to make sure it keeps going, please consider supporting the show through our Patreon. You can do that at whatwasthatlike.com forward slash support for as little as $1 a month. I'm just getting this going now, and eventually I'll have different levels of support with different rewards and all that comes with it. Your support not only helps me cover the cost of creating and producing and hosting a show like this, it also tells me that you like the content. So once again, you can do that at whatwasthatlike.com slash support. We're on all the socials, so if you want to follow me or even contact me directly, all of that's on the website at whatwasthatlike.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode where we'll once again ask the question, what was that like?